you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. Let's try to get good morning. Man, you chose the right day to be in the right place, and I'm telling you, it's because God wants to do something in our lives, but also, there's some pretty awesome people seated next to you. Turn to somebody and say, you look great today. Turn to your second choice and say, you look even better. Man, I'm so glad you're here. For those of you that are new, my name is Carrie, and my wife and I uh, have the privilege of leading this church as pastors. She was the beautiful woman who was just up here a moment ago. I mean, you got the right Sunday because we are in week three of a series called Forward. And I'm just telling you, it is a, it's been an exciting series about what God wants to do in and through us. But before I dive in, I just want to tell you about a couple things that are coming up. One of them is this Friday. It's our third annual Legacy Gala, and I do not want you to miss it. In fact, we only have 10 tickets remaining. So if you're interested in coming, then you need to text the word Legacy today so you don't miss out. And let me tell you why. Some of you may or may not know this. I hope that at least most of you do. But in the late 1700s, there was a growing tension happening between the United Kingdom and the colonies in America. And there was some tyranny involved, some taxation without representation. And we had this amazing thing kind of under the surface of the colonies saying, hey, we want to be a nation, and we want to do this thing the right way. And it wasn't until they formulated the Declaration of Independence that it actually united these colonies as one body, saying, hey, we're going to march against the tyranny of the United Kingdom and be who we were created to be. And I'm telling you that not because it's July 4th or we're celebrating our independence, but because there's something happens when we get centered around one vision and one purpose. And at Legacy Gala, Megan and I are going to unpack the vision and the heartbeat for the Movement Church over the next year, three years, ten years, and beyond. And listen, I, I want you to be there. I really do. Because I believe at the core of who I am where I wouldn't do this for a living that God actually designed each of us and wove our lives together to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I, I, it's my heart and my hope that we would be centered around the same vision, united around the same vision. And we're going to unpack that at our Legacy Gala on the 21st. So get your tickets today. They will sell out. And you will be texting me going, hey, do you have any more tickets? And I'll say, you didn't listen for a month and a half. And we'll weep because you won't be there, but we'll eat your food. It's going to be awesome. It's a full meal, uh, four-course dinner. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you text Legacy and show up. And the following Sunday, everyone say following Sunday. Say it better than first service. Say following Sunday. Will be our Vision Sunday where we're going to unpack some of the things that we talk about at Legacy Gala. Not everything, but some of the things. And I just don't want you to miss it. If you've ever not missed a Sunday, I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but it works because I have the mic. Don't miss next Sunday. Vision Sunday 2020. I believe God is up to something big. I've never been more fired up about what he wants to do in this church than before. My wife and I moved here to Orange County. We didn't know anybody and just moved here to start this church. And then God brought amazing people just like you. 
And, and in all the seven and a half years of our existence, I am more excited today than ever before. And I wanna share that with you and invite you in on the journey. So don't miss that. It's gonna be awesome. I wanna preach today, but before I do, I just wanna honor and celebrate somebody right here in the front row, Juliana Marsh, senior in high school, won first in CIF yesterday for wrestling. But I wanna tell you, I don't wanna honor you because of your accomplishments because that's what our world celebrates. And accomplishments come and go, but I wanna honor you because of the adversity that you've overcome and you are a woman of character. And every, anyone that gets around you is inspired by your humility and by your smile and you can whoop their butt because you're awesome. So I wanna celebrate you today, not because of your accomplishments, those are amazing, but because you are freaking awesome. Would y'all do me a favor? Would you just give it up for this amazing senior, Juliana? We're proud of you. And your accomplishments are awesome too. I just wanted to take a minute and do that, celebrate Juliana. And I mean, I hope that we can be a church that celebrates our teenagers. There's enough people saying that they're a pain in the butt. And if you have teenagers, it's true. But I mean, let's be a church that celebrates them and champions the cause that's in them. Somebody in your world did that for you. And let's just be an entire community of faith that chooses to celebrate and champion the teenagers. Amen? I'm going to preach before I even preach. This, is, this whole series called Forward is about the church, God's church, meaning it's about you because the church is about more than a building. It's not about a stage. We don't own this stage. In about oh, 24 hours, there will be students in here at Laguna Hills High School and doing school and we got to adjust the lights every week because they, they're their lights. So they're not ours. We don't own the stage here. We bring in, set it up, tear it down. The, the ch- building isn't a church. You are the church. So this series is actually about you, which is why it's so awesome, because you're awesome. You literally are awesome. Sure, you've got some issues. Sure, you're, some of you are jacked up. I know a lot of you, you're really jacked up, but we still love you. Me too. But we want to talk about God's heart and purpose for you, for the church. Today, we're talking about the number one mission that Jesus gave you and me. If you're here and you're not sure if you believe in the God thing or Jesus thing or Christianity thing, permission to belong before you believe. But if you're here and you say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, then at the end of his life, he gave us a mission. It's called the Great Commission, and it's for us, and it's for you. Not just the person who brought you or you're sitting next to, but for you, but Before I dive in, today's message is going to be one of those that maybe it's going to be encouraging, but it also may be a little bit painful. So I figured I would just start off with a kind of a humorous story I heard about one of our teachers in Movement Kids. And uh, one of our dream teamers was talking to our kids about uh, the heaven and hell and just kind of teaching on the topic. And, And she asked the kids, she said, if I sold my house and my car and I had a big garage sale and and I gave all that I had to the church, would I make it to heaven? And the kids unanimously yelled out, absolutely not. And the teacher said, okay, well, if I was on the crew, the, the team that sets up and tears down the movement church, and I'm also a greeter, and every week I sing on the worship team, would I make it to heaven? And the kids answered unanimously, you have some smart kids, no. And she said, okay, well then how can I get into heaven? And a five-year-old kid in the back yelled out, well, you'd have to be dead. It's <laughs> like, that's a great answer. 
I just wanted to make you laugh for a minute because I want to dive into the message and it may be somewhat painful. Can we pray? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you're already in this place. You're doing something miraculous. God, we don't want to just punch the church clock, slip in and slip out, make it to lunch and go about our day. But we know that the God who created the heavens and the earth is here right now, which means that anything can happen. So we open our heart to you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, I pray. And everyone said, amen, which just means I agree. I would encourage you to text the word notes to the number on the screen so you can follow along with me. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture and I just want you to be able to capture it real quickly so we don't have to kind of look up and down at the thing, but just text the word notes. We're going to dive in at the very beginning. I hear it's a very good place to start, and I'm going to unpack the uh, kind of the fullness of God's purpose and plan for humanity in about a minute and 17 seconds. So hang with me because we're going somewhere with this. So again, regardless of your belief, and and I don't know what your faith background is, permission to belong before you believe. So today what I'm going to be sharing is based on the word of God, the Bible that I believe and as a church we believe is the truth. And according to the word of God, the, the Bible says that God created humanity and he created us for relationship. That is his heart and his hope. But God never has nor ever will he force himself on us. He always gives us choice. So God said, I want Adam and Eve to have relationship, but I'm going to give them the option to choose. And he said, hey, you can have everything you see here, but not this. Don't eat of the fruit of this tree because it's poisonous. It changes the narrative. And as we still do now, in the beginning of time, humanity chose to call what God said was poisonous, we said is harmless. You know the story, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, and now the plot thickens. Sin enters. Sin enters humanity, and here's the challenge. The consequence of sin is death and an eternity in hell. Now, we don't like to talk about these topics too often, especially if we bring our friends, because like, oh gosh, this is kind of awkward, but it's truth. There's a real consequence for sin, And the Bible says that it's death and an eternity in hell. But God built us for relationship. Enter the chief character in all of humanity, and that is Jesus, God's son. The Bible says that Jesus lived a sinless life, and he paid the ransom and payment for the sins of all humanity. Your sins, my sins, your neighbor's sins, the person sitting in front of you sins, the baby that you gave birth to sin, Hitler's sin, everyone's sin. Are y'all told, this is why I told a joke in the beginning, because it's going to be hard for a moment, and then we're going to be encouraged. Turn to your neighbor and say, be encouraged. Jesus paid the price for the sins of all humanity. It is his grace towards us. We don't deserve it. Jesus 
gave it to us. His grace pardons our sins. Listen, then he gives us a family. It's called the church, a purpose on earth, and most importantly, an eternity in heaven after death. Are you tracking with me this morning? So listen, this is so important that Jesus said, hey, you, you don't have to choose my way. You get to do what you want. We, God wants relationship with you. I've paid the price for the sins of humanity, but you get to choose. And if we choose to follow Jesus, then he said, okay, great. Now that you're in the family, I've got a mission, a great commission for you. If you're here and you don't know what it is you believe, then this isn't for you. If you're here and you've said yes to Jesus, there's no negotiating on this. This is the last thing Jesus said to humanity. It is for you. He said it in Mark 16 and in Matthew 28. But today we're reading from Mark 16. He said this. Jesus is ascending into heaven and he looks at his disciples, which is you today, and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He said, whoever believes, not church membership, not does things right, not eradicates their past, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, listen, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. The gospel just means good news. Not condemnation, not shame, not guilt, good news, and it's for everyone. Jesus says, everyone is welcome. The writer of, of Romans named Paul, he goes on in chapter 10 of verse 13, and he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone is the key word. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. But he follows that verse with verse 14 and listen to what he says. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? Hey, Christian, look at me for a moment. This verse was written to you. Not just to a licensed, ordained minister. This verse, Christian, was written to you. This scripture is about you. It's why Jesus did what he did. It's why he established the church. We've been saying this every week. The church is God's plan A and there ain't no plan B. Stuff happens here that doesn't happen anywhere else. Sure, it's full of messed up, imperfect, jacked up people, but this is God's church. And there's nothing that you or I can do in more cooperation with Jesus than loving and building his church. This series is about a symbol, the fact that God put us together in a family, and there's something that takes place when we assemble on Sunday mornings. It's a preparation for what God wants to do. His presence shows up. His power shows up. God's people are here, but then he mobilizes us. He's given us unique callings and giftings that we have inside us so that we can move, go, and tell the world the good news of Jesus. That's what this series is about. Listen, 
And today is about the fact that if you are a follower of Christ, it is your job and it is my job to share our faith and invite people to church. It is your job and my job to share our faith and invite people to church. I want to talk to you about three reasons why you and me, not the person seated next to you, not the person who brought you, but you, Christian, why it is your responsibility and mine to share our faith and invite people to church. Number one, you were chosen to be a rescuer. Write that down. Listen, I'm going to go fast, so I want you to hang with me. Write that down. You were chosen to be a rescuer. Listen to me. You were chosen and created 100%. Make no mistake about it. If you're here and you're a Christ follower, you were chosen for this. You were rescued to rescue. You, my friend, are the hero in the story. You are. Because you're freaking awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're freaking awesome. Turn to your second choice and say, you're a bad mamma jamma. You are the hero. First Peter 2 says this, but you are the one chosen by God. You are the one chosen. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do his work. Look at this. And speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Since before you were born, God crafted and molded you uniquely for a purpose. One of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 2.10, and it says that you are God's workmanship, that he handcrafted you created you in his image, listen, to do a good work which was prepared in advance for you before you were even a glimmer in your mother's eye. God said, I've got a work for you. You're crafted for this. The Bible calls you an image bearer, which means in the world that you live in, when people look at you, sure, they can see imperfections. Sometimes they can see a jacked up track record, but they should be able to see the reflection of Jesus in your life. Jesus called us a city on a hill, not that we are to be pious and look down our nose with a nose of judgment, but that we should set the standard. He said we're the light of the world, which means our life should bring light into the darkness. Megan talked about this last week. I spoke about it in week one. If you're a follower of Christ, look at me. This is your identity. This is your identity. You were rescued to rescue. You were rescued to rescue. This is your identity. Listen, I have a driver's license that is an official document from the state of California that states I am, in fact, a resident of this great state. I also have a social security number which says that I was in fact born and I'm a citizen of this nation. You can look at those documentation and you can track my previous known addresses, my previous occupancies. You can even track my credit score, which isn't that bad. If my social security number and my credit card and driver's license are stolen, it's referred to as identity theft. But listen, that is not my identity. Those are merely descriptions and labels given to me by the people who are merely spectators of my life. It is not my identity. My driver's license says I'm five foot fat, blue eyes, and 220 pounds. Well, that fluctuates, my friend. It's not my identity. 
you want to know my identity, you need to inquire of my creator, the one who molded me. My creator says that I was bought with a price, that Jesus said, I'll give my life for you, Carrie. You're worth it. You're worth it. Jesus' love and grace and mercy goes beyond my comprehension, and it is unconditional, which means that I cannot earn his love and I cannot lose it. He freely gives it. He chose me. He rescued me. He gave me my identity, and the enemy is crafty. Now more than ever, people in our society are doubting and wondering, what is my identity? Even Christ's followers questioning who they are. We live in a society that celebrates you live your truth, which is a dead end road. Because at some point, your truth and my truth are going to collide and void each other out. Or worse, you'll change your truth with the prevailing winds and live literally a catatonic and pointless existence. Because you'll allow truth to change with the prevailing winds of the culture that you live in. Jesus said, let me tell you what the truth is. In John, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Here's your truth. You're chosen and you're rescued to be a rescuer. Make no mistake about it. Why should we tell people and share our faith and invite people to church because you were rescued, chosen to be a rescuer. Number two, listen to me, the cost of your silence is severe. The cost of your silence is severe. The world is on an assignment to silence you and it has been since the dawn of Christianity. I mean, look at our world's representation of Christians. I don't know what era you grew up in, but I grew up in the era of the Simpsons. And their representation of Christians was Ned Flanders. Ned Flanders over here, every movie about Christianity mocks Christianity. We're Bible-thumping, LGBTQ-hating, right-wing nutjobs who have no clue about the real world that we live in. And all of this is drawing a line in the sand. You're either with us or you're against us. And if you're in that category, you're a hate monger and a bigot. And this is merely an attempt to put you, an individual who doesn't necessarily line up with the things of these crazy individuals, but they'll put you in this category, and it's an attempt attempt to literally shut down your voice. This is the world we live in. You speak up for faith and all the world sees you as Ned Flanders who hates people. That seems like an oxymoron, but you get it. Nero used the growing tensions with Christians and he blamed them for the burning of Rome. This is in the first century, 64 years after the birth of Christianity's. It's been happening for centuries. We've been misrepresented for centuries. And it's all in an attempt to silence the voice of Christianity, and it's working. It's working. Can I tell you about something that will change your life? Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you, this past week I was in New York, and I had the opportunity to go to a restaurant called Roberta's. Can you show this? This is a pizza that they affectionately called Jesus Christ. I didn't name it. Don't send me an email about it. 
There's three cheeses, some garlic sauce. They give you honey to drizzle across the top, and then you dip it in ranch, and literally Jesus does show up. I don't think you understand how amazing. I just found out today that they have a restaurant in L.A. I'm thinking about canceling third service and just driving up there. Life-changing pizza. Isn't it interesting that we'll have an experience at a restaurant and go on a rampage and try to convince all of our friends they've got to check out this new place to eat? We'll go see a movie and we'll tell our friends, you've got to watch this movie. We're on a diet. And we tell all of our friends exactly what we're eating and when we're not eating and how it works. And we'll rave about things that have zero significance to eternity. And then when it comes to your faith, yeah, I go to church. What is it you believe? Ah. Pastor Gary. <laughs> I just wonder, do the people in your world, I'm talking to you, not your neighbor right now, do the people in your world know what it is you believe? Do they know about the hope that you found in Jesus? Not Jesus, Jesus. Why can we rave about a restaurant but we get quiet about our faith? Because we live in a society that's been trying to silence us for years. I'm not asking you to put on a Christian t-shirt and get an air horn and stand up in your office and say, turn or burn, you wretched sinners. If you do, invite them to a different church. But the cost of you not sharing your faith, oh, it's so great. Proverbs 24 says, in such a profoundly powerful way, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. And if you say, but we, we didn't know anything about this. Isn't that Pastor Carey's job? Isn't that somebody who's a better Christian and, and they've been doing this longer? We didn't know how to what or what to Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? We don't have the luxury of turning a blind eye. You can deceive others, you can deceive yourself, but you can't deceive God. Stop abdicating your role to fear and insecurity. God's given you a voice and he placed you in your sphere of influence on purpose. It was not accidental. During World War II, Hitler had an all-powerful ally without whom he could have never been successful. And his ally was a world that chose to remain silent. The Holocaust did not begin with the crematoria. It was a long process where Hitler moved slowly, cautiously, and meticulously escalating his anti-Jewish policies in 1935, 10 years before the end of the war, the Nuremberg Law was implemented, depriving all Jews of German citizenship. 
They were barred from their professions. Their stores were boycotted. There were special taxes implemented towards them. They were prohibited from marrying Germans. Three years later, in 1938, Kristallnacht was implemented, which just means crystal night, and they were given permission, the German soldiers, to shatter the windows of every Jewish synagogue and Jewish-run store. And if any Jew protested, they were permitted to beat them violently. How did our world respond as Jews began fleeing Germany? Countries tightened up our immigration laws and did not allow fleeing Jews to enter. The entire war, the Allies had specific maps of Auschwitz and other death camps, yet we never bombed gas chambers and crematoria. May of 1939, literally three years before we got into the war as a nation, The SS St. Louis sailed from Germany and on board were 937 Jews who had visas for Cuba. They knew we gotta get out of this country. It hadn't even escalated really bad, but they had already experienced Crystal Knock and said, we gotta get out. They could not remain there any longer and Cuba refused them entry, so they set sail for Florida. When the ship neared our territorial waters, the Coast Guard fired a shot over the bow saying, you cannot come here. The ship had to seek another port where it could land. And so this journey in search of a haven eventually brought the SS St. Louis back to Germany and death for most of its passengers. Ten years. Our world allowed these atrocities to continue. And the Holocaust, over six million slaughtered. A great tragedy and a stain on the history of our humanity. But listen to me. You and I and everyone on this planet are headed at life speed towards eternity. There will be a day where all of humanity will face the reckoning. And I know we don't like these sermons, but it is a reality. You will not live forever. Someday you and everyone you know will pass away. And we'll stand before Jesus. And we will spend an eternity in one of two places. And the deciding factor between which eternity you will experience, heaven or hell, is whether or not you called on the name of the Lord. Not about how often you attended church or if you worked hard to be a good person. But did you call on the name of the Lord? Romans 10 says, but how Can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? The cost of your silence is severe. And I'm talking to you, Christian. The cost of your silence is severe. And the only thing that you risk is rejection, not death. In this nation, you will not be martyred for standing up for your faith. It's just rejection. So just share your story. Pastor Gary, I don't know what to say. I, don't, I mean, I'm not eloquent with this. You know, the, the chief writer of the New Testament said the same thing. He said, I'm not great at preaching, but I know what Christ did for me. So just share your story. You have a story. I was talking to a gentleman who was at first service. He's in next steps right now. He said, I love that message. He said, I was addicted to meth for 12 years, but I've been sober for X amount of years. I'm like, dude, 
We need your story. Don't be silent because the world tells you to be silent. You know what your story is? It's who you are without Jesus. I'm, I'm messed up without Jesus. My marriage would not exist without Jesus. I'm not a good person without Jesus. You know what else your story is? It's who you are with him. But now, he, he gives my wife a lot of patience for me. And I've learned what it means to walk in grace, to not be bound by the labels of my past, but to realize that I'm chosen. I don't have answers for every question, but I can help you find the one who does. He's the one who put the sun and the stars in their place. You know what your story is? It's who you are without Jesus, who you are because of Jesus, and what are you doing with your life now? Well, now I'm assembled with a group of people that are messy, imperfect, jacked up. But man, we're a part of a family. We're working on our issues and we're making a difference in the community that we live in. Why don't you come check it out? Just share your story. You were chosen to be a rescuer. The cost of your silence is severe. But the reward is life change for eternity. John 3.16 says this, that, by the way, you probably know this scripture. This is the most memorized verse in the Bible besides Jesus wept. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Why don't you replace that word world with your name as the band is joining me on the stage or maybe the name of your coworker or your neighbor. or a fellow classmate at your high school or college. He gave his only son that whoever believes, no matter your past, no matter your story, no matter your belief, if you just choose to believe, should not perish, but have eternal life. This is a promise for all mankind. The whoever's, anyone is in part, can be part of the family if you just choose to believe. To believe means to call on the name of the Lord to say, I get it, Jesus is who he says he is and without him I am nothing. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they have not heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them. You know what's challenging, one of the key indicators in Scripture that we, we don't really like to hear about it very often, but the Bible says that it's appointed for a man once to die and then the judgment. In other words, you live your life and then you stand before Jesus. And the Bible says that you will be held account for everything, accountable for everything that you have spoken. The Bible says we're accountable for every word spoken. The Bible says that we'll be held accountable for every action taken. The Bible says we'll be held accountable for every thought that we have ever had. We'll be held accountable. 
And it stands to reason if we're held accountable for every word, every action, and every thought, that we'll probably also be held accountable for every action we didn't take. For the times when we didn't speak up and we knew we were supposed to. For the times we didn't share our faith and we knew we were supposed to. I'm not exactly sure how heaven is gonna work, but I know that one day I'll stand before Jesus and he'll say, okay, Carrie, you made it. Let's take a look at your life. I'll be like, can we pass on this part? I don't know if he like, fires up Apple TV and then my life's under the Netflix box. I don't know how it works. Remember that time you said this? Remember that time you thought that? And the action's taken. The good news is the Bible says that because Jesus paid the ransom for my sins, he's going to say, you know what? But you're forgiven because I gave it up for you. But I'm going to have an account for it. And I just know that there's going to probably come a moment where I'll get to see the people who I had encounters with, but I chose not to say something that may or may not be in heaven as a result of my lack of action. I don't know about you. I'm just not okay with that. So I've decided to devote my life to helping people call on the name of the Lord. Because I want to stand in heaven one day and look to the right and the left and see thousands of people who are there because I just chose to not remain silent. And I just want to tell you, this is not just because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a Christian. God has ordained and chosen you. He dropped you in the neighborhood. You just thought you had a great real estate agent. No, no. God handcrafted your, your street because there's a story in you that your neighbors need. You just thought you were awesome and you got that job because you're a bad mamma jamma. Well, you are, but also. God needed you there. He needed you at your college, at your high school, at your junior high. You were chosen to be a rescuer. The cost of your silence is severe. But oh man, the reward is life change for eternity. If I could tell you the fullness of my story and give you all the details of what it feels like to walk and pursue the things that you want only to find yourself completely removed from all that you thought you were called to be a part of and to sit in the darkness and the depravity of your own sin and shame. If I could tell you the stories, then you would realize that I don't have any right to be up here, but by the grace of God. And that's God's heart for all humanity. It doesn't matter to what lengths you have run from Him, what steps you have taken away from Him. It doesn't even matter about your past. It doesn't even matter about your story. God chose you, and this is His heart for you. But He won't force Himself on us. We have to choose Him. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't have to be a member of the church. You don't have to eradicate your past. You just simply have to say yes to Him. And there are some of you in this room who have never done that. And today is your day. You don't know if you died today whether or not you'd make it into heaven or not. And I want to help you make that decision with no embarrassment to you right where you're standing. 
to say yes to Jesus and to begin the journey. And look at me, some of you in this room may have made a decision like this, but you've been running from God and today's the day to stop running and say, God, I'm gonna pursue you. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody moving, nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus or you've been running from God and today's the day to come running back, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I wanna challenge you right where you're standing to make this prayer your own. Maybe in the quietness of your own heart or a small whisper, would you repeat this after me? Just say, dear God, I know that you're real, that you've called me, you've given me purpose, but I'm not perfect. And just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.